Hey, welcome to Textual Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart. And today I'll be joined by Patrick Barb to discuss his short story collection, Pre-Approved for Haunting. What kind of music is actually creepy, being a dad, and an anthology he's putting together inspired by Neutral Milk Hotel. Not to give any of the other fun oddities away, here's Patrick. So how's your night going? It's been pretty good. Just uh, put the kids to bed. I've got a eight-year-old and a five-year-old at home here. So they were, uh, read them a couple stories. I'm reading uh, James and the Giant Peach to one of them. And uh, the other one is one of the book of facts. So we're just reading some National Geographic books of facts uh, before bedtime, really just loading them up with, uh, with knowledge and then putting them to bed and hoping for the best. That definitely sounds what I would actually like to be read to me before I go to bed. It is. It was, we were on like a hundred facts about airplanes or something. And I got to about 20 and then I had to, I had to peace out at that point and just say, no, it's time for time for, uh, we'll put a podcast on for you. And he will just listen to a podcast to fall asleep, which is what I do. So really just, uh, falling in, falling in dad's footsteps. <laughs> well, hopefully this is a podcast that people fall asleep to. That's right, right? Just put them, put them right to bed. We're already off to a, a great start if it's being recorded, I'll tell you. Exactly. <laughs> so I am very happy that you wanted to be on Textual Healing. By the way, loved your Off the Record episode. That was cool. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. It was, it was a lot of fun to do and to come up with the, with the pairing and everything. That was a, a great challenge to try to figure something out from that perspective. You wouldn't think it'd be like that hard for you, though. I mean, with the anthology that you're working on. Yeah, well, I mean, that's from from an editorial perspective. Um, but then with my own writing, it was like a little bit, di- a little bit different. I felt like um, to to put that different hat on. I guess. You think it's better at like to look at it from a distance, and then like when it comes to your own writing, it's just like you really have to search. To a degree, I mean, I think that at least in the case of this, um, you know, with and one day we will die. This this neutral milk hotel um, anthology. It feels like one of the advantages there is that it's other writers taking the music and kind of taking these individual songs um, and interpreting them or finding some other angle to them. And then it's just my job to go. Eh, does this kind of have the right? Is this have the right vibe that we're looking for? Is this sort of have that sort of capture the strangeness and the sort of weirdness um, that, that I think of in the music? Um, but they're the ones bringing the material to it. Whereas with writing, I feel like I am certainly inspired by music, and I will sprinkle you know lines and snippets of lines from songs into stories and novellas that I've, that I've written. But it's, I think if you sat me down and said, write a song based on, write a story based on this song or based on this catalog of songs, I might, I might find it a little challenging at first. I'm glad that I have other people doing it for me and I just have to be (laughs) the, the editor of their stories at the end of the day. Um, okay, I have no idea if you actually are familiar with 
this magazine. And as I'm looking it up on Twitter, formerly known as X, or X, <laughs> formerly known as Twitter, my bet. We're just forgetting. Screw X. Have you uh, read Major 7 magazine? No, I haven't. It is brand new. Kirstie McKenzie, she founded it, and basically every story, poem, essay, comic, whatever, is uh, related to a song. So very similar vibe. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, And I, mean, I had to deal awesome. with that chaos that you're just kind of saying about, like, trying to fit a story to a song. Like, that is actually really hard. Yeah, I mean, I felt like even with the, the off-the-record episode that I did, just sort of trying to retrofit um a song or a story i find that song that pairs well with the story it's such an interesting challenge because i feel like a lot of times my writing it's you know stories have obviously they um, be very basic like they have a beginning middle and end but it's like there are several songs i think that can go into a piece of prose um and perhaps vice versa, I'm not a songwriter, so I, so I wouldn't know, like, if there's, you know, multiple stories and sources of inspiration that go into songs. So I feel like that one-to-one matching, yeah, there's definitely some challenges there. I can I can definitely see that, and I'm already, you know, seeing it in the stories that are coming in from some of the invited authors in, the, in this anthology that I'm editing, um, just trying to get a sense of how people are pairing a specific song with a story without it, you know, without it being like a cover version of the song without it have without it just being like, well, we're just going to sprinkle in the lyrics and cause that it's not really what we're looking for. That's not really like the vibe. It's more like use this as a jumping off point and then show your own creativity and your, your own way of putting a story together. Uh, so definitely some, some interesting challenges for sure. I mean, you almost can't help, though, as a writer, but, like, hammer it home a little bit when you know what song you're, like, trying to get, and you're like, I'm going to make sure people know what I'm talking about. And I did one about a telephone line by Yellow, and Mm -hmm. I I must have thrown in those lyrics so many times until Kirstie was just like, lose all the lyrics, I understand what you're writing. (laughs) Yep, I mean... It's it's very interesting to to see with this with this project that I'm editing right now because we've got ten ten ish invited authors and then we're gonna have ten uh, people from the the slush piles when it when it opens uh, next month um, and seeing the the authors who are already sending in their stories some of the invited authors trying to sort of go back and piece together, okay, what part of this story comes from this song? What words do I recognize? Even if it's like an, an, like a different way of phrasing something, but you're, you're doing something that has a sort of um, similar uh, vibe or, or a synonym or something like that, then that's been an interesting uh, thing to look at. It's just trying to find those like, the connections and try to imagine, okay, what was the thought process here? How did they get from, you know, this three minute song to a 
12 page story where, where does that tra- what happens in the translation there? And did you assign the actual songs to people or did they get to pick their own? People got to pick and the, so basically went to people with a list, um, taken from, uh, sort of Wikipedia and other, uh, Nutramilk hotel sources. So I could kind of try to vet things as, as much as possible, um, sort of keeping things to primarily from the, 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 the main two studio albums and then some of the bootlegs as well, but leaving off alternate titles, um, from some of the bootleg sets that are out there and things like that. So kind of putting this list together, bringing it to the invited authors and saying, okay, which of these songs would you like to do a story for? There was a little bit of, uh, kind of horse trading going on, I think, um, with a few people, uh, luckily, um, uh, Jeff Mangum written plenty of songs with, uh, parts one and parts two. So we were able to kind of <laughs> divvy things up a tad to folks and give them, okay, well, you, if you want to do King of Carrot Flowers, you can do parts one, you can do two and three. Um, I would do and, one all the way, but yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I think we're going to get some interesting stuff from the, the authors doing, doing that one. Yeah. Those two songs. Um, and then, from there, we have the list um, that Hungry Shadow uh, Press, uh, Brandon Applegate, who's the publisher there. We have the the list of all the kind of remaining songs for people to, you know, since we announced uh, over the summer, I believe, um, just kind of get people thinking, okay, well, here's the songs that are left. And I think ideally, I'd like to have each uh, story be a separate song rather than have, you know, I didn't want to have a, a, a book that was like 20 songs all riffing on in the airplane over the sea, even though I love that song. And I think that could be a very cool uh, book. Ultimately that was not necessarily what I wanted to do right at the moment. Um, so we want to kind of have each, each author picking an, a, a song that's unique to them and then creating a story uh, inspired by that, by that piece. So given the writing and everything I've read of yours and everything, how did you eventually end up becoming involved in this, in the anthology? That's a good, um, it's a good question just because my, like just, you know, from genre perspectives. And yeah. Everything. Yeah. Cause I, I basically, basically I write a lot of horror sort of darker fiction, weird fiction. I did, trends toward like the harder side of weird versus the like fantastical side of weird. I would say if I was going to like classify the stuff, so uh, that I write, Lynch. not quite Lynchian, but maybe like the darker moments, like the, the guy behind the, the dumpster, uh, the, the thing behind the dumpster sort of David Lynchian. Um, that scene always freaks me out. But oh, it's so crazy. Um, yeah. Every time just the gifts alone or gifs or whatever. Um, yeah, like I, when I, I have an English degree, as many of us probably do. Um, and when I got out of, of, of undergrad, I went to uh, work in publishing and I worked in New York and I worked in uh, California uh, at a, in an imprint at Penguin Random House uh, for, for many years. And while I was doing that, I was also 
you know, trying my hand at writing and, and trying to get, you know, momentum going on that side of things. But it wasn't until I kind of left the formal editing world and took a few years freelance when uh, my wife and our family, we moved to the Twin Cities, uh, which is where she's from. She's from Minneapolis originally, and now we're in St. Paul. Um, so I had some time to concentrate on writing and sort of getting my writing out there. And it's kind of stepping away from, from a lot of the editing work. Uh, and then uh, the thing called COVID happened. And suddenly I had a lot more time at home and a lot more time away from uh, the editing and, and working on things like that. And I think I appreciated that because I wanted the time to, to focus on the writing side of things. And at this point now I've had you know, a lot of short stories published. I've had um, two novellas and a novelette published, and I have um, a short story collection, Pre-Approved for Haunting, which came out at the end of September. And so as these things were, were coming out and as I was feeling like, okay, kind of got a, a handle on things as much as you can have a handle on like writing and getting your name out there and getting pieces published, um, I'd love to try try my hand at, at editing something and this idea was just something that I've had in mind for a long time like when when people would throw things up on Twitter or X whatever you're calling it when they said oh you know name your dream project if you could have a dream project and this was one of my dream projects was like I want to edit an anthology inspired by the music of Milk Hotel because I I always felt like there was something, there's something so, I don't want to say like literary, but like there's something, there's a storytelling aspect to the, to the songs, to the music without it always being a straightforward linear narrative. Um, there's something that felt very much like weird fiction to me in, in the lyrics and the way these songs kind of present these sort of snippets of ideas and characters, you know, everything from, you know, including involving like Anne Frank and ghosts and, and ghosts of Anne Frank and all these weird sort of images that never entirely coalesce into like a solid narrative. It's more like suggested. So finally I, you know, reached out to some publishers because I've had enough people sort of say, yeah, I'd love to write something for this. I, I felt like I had enough people to go to some publishers and say, here, here's what we've got. Um, and Brandon uh, at Hungry Shadow was one of the people to say, yeah, this sounds great. I think based on, you know, the, the sort of popularity, whether it be kind of like a cult, like following or popularity, um, and, and then some of the authors that we've got involved, uh, as well, uh, it seemed like a, the right pairing of, of people and, and band and, and time really, I guess. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what people submit and just to kind of put the whole thing together because it, it really kind of, um, you know, as we were sort of promoting it on, on social media over the summer, definitely got some some very interesting eyes on things and and so hopefully you know big things ahead i guess are you gonna write like a 
really cool prologue that helps people launch into it or I think I think so. I mean, we're still looking for uh, a, a sort of forward a forward writer as well. So like have somebody to kind of bring in sort of either like musical perspective um, to sort of pair with the with the I will say that would definitely literary balance side. it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's really kind of, and then, you know, I can't reveal anything yet, but I know that we've got some interesting talks as far as like cover art goes. Um, because I mean, I think again, if you look at like album art and book cover art, I think there's a, such a great, uh, crossover between the two. Like I love, I'm just a big old, um, I'm a big old uh, slug for packaging. Like just, a, I love like a really nice box set or like a hard cover with like, um, you know, slip case covers and all this thing. I got that McSweeney's, um, the new horror issue that has like three slip cases. Um, and it takes like a crowbar to get the actual book out of it. I love that stuff. It's fantastic. And I was the same way. Like I kind of mourn, not so much the, like the death of like the CD or anything, but like, just those big box sets of like, uh, of CDs or, or DVDs and then in records too, as well, and vinyl as well. Like I, I have like, I just like, I like things that look very nice and fancy. Um, just my like fancy little collection of books and records, you know? And, uh, that's something that I, I'm hoping we can get something really cool because I mean, obviously I think especially the, in the airplane over the sea, uh, cover in particular is one that's so striking and just like sort of visually arresting and one that kind of pops up in unexpected places a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So have you found it difficult balancing working on this with, uh, promoting pre-approved for haunting? Um, not too much, although I'm one of those people who I haven't quite made that move over to some of the newer forms of social media and promotion. Like I have a TikTok and I recorded some videos prior to the release of the collection. Um, Ooh, and I'm still TikTok on handle. That's uh, what's it? Zero, zero Patrick Barb dot something i'm not sure how the, the formatting of it's another thing it's like i have a tiktok let me just pull it up here um but yeah so i um i did it and it's fine you know um but i'm still on that sinking ship that is twitter um and the promotion there is just not you know it's not what it used to be at all no. uh at Patrick Barb zero. Got you. I, I'm going to look for you right now. I'm the Mallory smart. <laughs> Actually, that's uh, smart. I put my name. There's only like five other Patrick Barb's in the world, but apparently one of them swooped in and got the Patrick Barb, uh, username first. Let's see if I found you. Did I find you? Found you. Wow. That was fast following you. <laughs> Awesome. Excellent. Um, so yeah, I, and yeah, I, I always, like, I'm, I always try to kind of give all of my projects that sort of, um, uh, 
focus and attention. Uh, and it's like, it's had a whole struggle, I guess, of navigating, okay, when is it time to stop talking about this one and then start talking about the new thing? Um, cause you don't want to, I, I always suck. I don't want to give short shrift to anything till the, to the other books. And so like, I'll still find time if I can to talk about, you know, some of the novellas that I had published, uh, last year at the end of, end of last year in 22. Um, and then with the collection, I feel like there's still some momentum there. So I'm still talking and still, you know, doing some, I guess some podcasts lined up for, for December, just for some shows that were backed up at the time mm-hmm. and, and couldn't do anything in October. And when the book, when the book originally came out and then moving into, um, to the anthology, I think what, what's nice about that is hopefully I'm going to see a couple of peaks of interest. Uh, first, like start coming in now when we're moving into the open submission period, when, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be open for, um, a few weeks, um, for sort of general submissions. And then there's an extra week, uh, for, uh, uh, sort of BIPOC LGBTQ, um, submissions as well. Um, it's sort of like an extended period, uh, to, to allow uh, a little extra time, uh, for, for submissions there. And then, you know, I imagine sort of projecting out to the future, there's going to be a little bit of a lull again, as we're, as I'm reading stories and probably listening to so much, uh, Jeff Mangum, uh, that I'm sick of his voice for a little bit. Um, cause I mean, I'm trying to like listen to the songs before I go into the story. Yeah, you need to um, deep that, listen. yeah. And like with each of the stories so far that's, that's come in, I've tried to listen to the song before that inspired it before reading the song. And we're asking writers when they submit to, you know, let us know what song it is because, Again, I, and I welcome this. I feel like there's going to be some things that go very, that veer very far from the source material. And that is totally fine and absolutely uh, welcome and encouraged. But I need to know kind of where you started your journey before I can kind of evaluate mm. where you've ended up. Um, and so I think that's, that's going to be part of the process as well. And then we're looking currently kind of like this time next year um, for the book, but that may, that timeline may move up. It's just, I'm going to be one of the few people uh, reading the stories. Um, so it's going to be hundred percent like me making these choices and making the evaluations and, and kind of making the choices for, for what's in the anthology. Um, so just hedging our bets about time timeline can change. Luckily, um, things can move up. Uh, so for, for right now, the focus is just on this like open submission period, right. And getting people, letting people know it's, it's coming, uh, in December and going through January. And, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what people kind of put together for it. Yeah. I'm pretty psyched about that too. Just, everything like I, I love neutral milk hotel so you definitely drew me in the minute i heard about that so i know it's something i feel like i mean it's, it's been really s- just for most writers you're just dangling a carrot it's like we all we all love it yeah exactly and i feel like it's been so cool to see 
the sort of mix of people from like all backgrounds and uh, even like a generational crossover of, of interest. Um, you know, I think everything from like the sort of older Gen X, uh, you know, maybe dipping into like baby boomer territory. Um, if you're the, the cool parent, I guess, um, or <laughs> the, the cool grandparent at this point, um, to, you know, millennials and, and Gen Z and, and, and some of that as well. So it's been, it's been really cool to kind of see that level of interest. And I they've always been a band for me. I, I grew up in, in the South. I grew up in Virginia and, and Tennessee, and I went to college in, uh, Mississippi, um, around like a lot of people from like the deep South and everything. And it's, it's always interesting that you see, you'll see people who are, you know, just huge neutral milk hotel fans and they just get crosses all borders and, and things like that. So that's been really cool. And that's a part of the reason I think that also <clears throat> made me feel like there was a audience out there for the, for something like this, because they are a band that, attracts a very diverse um, audience. And so you're going to get a lot of different voices and a lot of different perspectives bringing their um, backgrounds into kind of interpreting these songs into, into story mode. Mm -hmm. I do think it's interesting that you'll be listening to each song before um, reading the song that it's like assigned. To, I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if like a very cool different effect would happen if you actually read it without knowing the song and then at the end play the song that they eventually tell you. Like it'd be cool, like end cut roll credits. Mm-hmm. Like Yeah. I mean like, I think do you think it, it would punch the same vibe for you? Do you think like you would get the same instinct of yeah, that did that fit the mood of the song? May yeah, it's it's possible. You know, as I was telling you the process, I actually thought the same thing because you know, I'm right now I'm only reading the invited authors. So I already know which song that those people are doing. So it kind of makes sense to go ahead and mm -hmm. listen to the song first, but depending on how we have submissions come in, who knows, maybe I'll mix it up. I probably will need to mix it up. I can imagine. Um, I, I don't know necessarily how many submissions we're going to get. I hope to be overwhelmed. I'll be honest with you. I, I hope to just be totally flooded the and out of my depth, community. just really just have too much to do. Um, that's the dream all the time, right? And when you're writing, you're just like, I want to have more than I can handle and still complain a little bit about it. <laughs> just feel like I I'm don't not have enough coffee, no time. I love just, it. I, I like to have enough projects where I'm keeping busy, but there's still a little part of me that's like the kind of like taskmaster that stays in me. Um, the, the, you know, I was raised Catholic, so it's probably a little bit of like residual Catholic guilt. That's just like, are you really doing enough? Are you really doing enough? Couldn't you do just a little bit more? Um, wow. And I get that, and I exercise that. Background totally miss that. <laughs> I just exercise those demons through taking on all these projects. That's just how you do it. You're Patrick, the exorcist. Right, except it's myself, and it's just I do it instead of the power of, of Christ, it's the power of uh, Jeff Mangum compels me. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Mm -hmm. So you were saying before that it was hard for you to actually, with off 
the record that it was hard for you to think of like a song to pair your excerpt with. Um, do you listen to music at all before writing? I do. Um, you know, my music listening has kind of evolved over the, over the years. I think as I, with the rise of like podcasts, I feel like I'm listening to a lot more podcasts when I'm doing things like, uh, walking the dog or doing dishes or, you know, taking the kids to school or whatever the task might be. Um, and I find myself filling the time more with like these kind of voices and people talking and having these conversations and having that sort of parasocial thrill, I guess, that comes from listening to people gab about writing or politics or, or whatever it is. Um, so the space that would normally, when I was in like high school or college and was driving around had been filled with like sorting through CDs and like popping them in from the, the sort of binder and like flipping and flipping through the, to find the, the perfect song that's kind of gone away, um, to the degree that it, that it was present. So now it feels a little bit more special when I do have this, like, you get that urge to listen to an album or to play a specific song. Um, and I feel like that happens for me, not necessarily before I'm writing all the time, but it often is because it will be on like a walk with the walking the dog in the morning or the afternoon. And I walk our, we, I walk our dog who's a, a staffy mix named Juniper and she is a sweetheart and thinks she is a lap dog. Um, so she's like, well, just, she wants to meet everybody. She wants to just greet everybody. And sometimes I just want to turn tune out and just walk and, you know, get lost in my thoughts. And I find that music sort of putting on, um, you know, the shuffle and sort of going from there is really helpful a lot of times. Um, especially when I'm, when I'm drafting new things, um, I tend to want to listen to music when I'm writing a new project, not so much when I'm revising it's just a different headspace i think for me I, I like to listen to like the podcast and the conversations and things like that but if i'm working on something <clears throat> sort of whole whole cloth new uh new story novel or something that i tend to right before i start writing listen to listen to some music it can be some some favorites it can be some you know newer things um just whatever kind of the moment uh you know how it strikes me but a lot of times it's it is dependent on that on that walk uh with juniper so say like with pre-approved for haunting did you like this is something like of the similar vibe before you started writing or just whatever came to you while you're on your walk yeah it's a lot of like whatever comes to me or with that particular with the collection because it's you know, it's, it's, uh, a mix of reprints and a mix of like newer pieces. Um, so, you know, and it's everything from kind of like family focused horror to sort of like media centric 
horrors to the supernatural and then also kind of like slashers and stuff like so like your your jasons and freddies and michael myers and like stories that are inspired by that sort of uh campy kitschy uh horror as well so from that perspective and from from these stories being written from like 2018 through to kind of like last year um it's really coming from all different places. I think that there's, there's definitely some things that are, you know, more inspired by kind of like a quieter type of like folksy sort of music. And then there's stuff that's more like rock or kind of like, um, you know, heavier things like that, that that it's just kind of like more, um, like setting a mood kind of thing. Um, and that's not always like, I don't always need the music to necessarily match up 100% with the content. Um, give an example there. Um, I have a novella it's called turn and it is a vampire pro wrestling, uh, story. It's basically, Dracula and Renfield, uh, but Dracula is the champion of a sort of indie hardcore deathmatch wrestling federation. And the Renfield character, who's the protagonist, is kind of this uh, jobber who's like a loser wrestler. And he figures out that the uh, champ is an actual vampire who's using the bloodshed in these matches to hide his feedings and sort of goes through this process because he wants to become the champion and he also wants to become a vampire. Um, and the majority of inspiration for that, uh, novella came from like listening to a lot of Phoebe Bridgers. Um, <laughs> and I always tell people that I'm like, there's actually like, I have like song yeah, lyrics in there though. I, I can vibe that. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. I know you may not see think that they're the same, but I almost feel like I love those moments in you know movies, especially movies I'm thinking of where, I guess it's the equivalent of when like they slow down a pop song in a a movie trailer. Right. And you're like, Oh, now it's the scary version of this, of this song. Like, Oh, they're walking on sunshine, but they just took it down a few octaves. Now we're in trouble. Um, so that's kind of where that, that came from. I like that sort of contrast and uh, pairing these things that aren't necessarily, you know, one-to-one, uh, match, but like you said, it's it's vibes. It's there's that thing that feels right uh, for maybe the emotional context versus the physical uh, action or bloodshed that's being being described on the page. So, since you've mentioned kids and everything, I do have to ask. I was just watching This Is Forty. Have you seen that? I have not. I've heard it was not that great. So I. I don't know. What is, what am I, was that correct? Or I'll take a second opinion. Okay. A little overindulgent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But what I liked is Paul Rudd played a guy who was running a record label and he was totally that cliche Gen X dad who was just obsessed with stuff like Soundgarden and music Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And he had two daughters and they just total polar opposite of music, and they're just constantly clashing over what they could listen to in the car and everything. Do you have any issues like that with your kids, or do they just kind of vibe with whatever you're going with? 
uh, you know, we've gone through different phases. And when they were really little, it was all like, we want to hear uh, Mickey Mouse uh, nursery rhymes. And like, they just only listen to like the same five songs over and over again. And then there was a period where they were like, yeah, whatever you want to listen to, we're, we're cool with it. We will listen to it. We're back now, except now it's music inspired by, I did not know this was a thing until I, you know, as a parent, you learn like, here's the new thing that the kids are into, but they like music that's inspired by like the five nights at Freddy's games. Um, it, which is all very kind of like dubstepy uh, electronica kind of music, which is like an interesting, it's, I, need I will to say find this. What? it's there. It's all, cause I'd heard about like, you know, like, folk music that's inspired by like science fiction. I think it's like filk music or something. I want to say it's, it's called, um, but this is like that, but it's not folk music at all. It's like, this is the next, this is the next generation or two generations removed from it kind of thing. And it's people, these songs are like taking on the personas of the characters and singing from their perspectives. And it's this very interesting kind of thing it's not for me, but I can appreciate it as somebody who is like I'm a horror author and I like, you know, scary things. The fact that they're into it is, is fantastic. And then I'll say like, Oh, do you guys like, you like scary things? Do you want to like watch, you know, old universal horror movies or something like that? Like, no, we don't want to do that. What are you talking about? Like, get out of here. Um, they have like no interest in like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like what like scary. Cause like, it's so hard to think of like scary music. And somebody, somebody asked me that the other day or it was the conversation I was following. They were like, what music do you think of as scary? And it's like a lot of Nick cave can kind of be sort of scary. I feel like there, there's certain moments in like lyrics that I feel like can be scary. Um, but when you think of like, I'm like, I've never been the type of person that's like, I mean, I, uh, death metal or something is going to be like well, scary. The knee jerk like thing is going to be like Rob Zombie or something, but not really actually scary. No, I mean, I, I, I enjoy Rob Zombie's work as a kind of like theatrical, you know, version of like what a scary, <laughs> what a scary song would, would be like if somebody was like, put you in like a, a room and said like, write me the, write me the scary man music. Like it might sound like, like some white zombie or Rob zombie, which is totally great. I'm glad it exists in the world and brings joy to, to hopefully people out there. Um, but yeah, I, that would definitely be the first kind of instinct. I feel like for folks would be like, Oh, Marilyn Manson or, you know, Rob zombie or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's the persona. So yeah. So what do you actually consider scary music? I, like I said, Nick, like Nick Cave, it has some scariness, uh, to, to his music. Um, I always, uh, feel like, um, uh, the hurdy gurdy man, uh, Donovan song. They used that in the Zodiac movie, the David Fincher. That just went straight to my mind. Okay, cool. Yeah, that one always struck me as like, 
think things like that I always really respond to that kind of like um there's a menace to it right like I think I think I it's the same thing with Nick Cave that you get yeah I respond more to menace than fear in music and I think music is better able to capture menace than maybe any other type of expression um I think if somebody's singing singing to you menacingly it's it's more visceral right it's it's something that you can like feel inside of you when you when you hear that um and then I think the contrast sometimes with the sort of higher register or kind of like the Donovan song I'm thinking of like that sort of playing against type um that kind of that 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 definitely um you know itches something in the in the lizard brain so to speak (laughs) the sort of fighter fighter uh fighter flight uh gets kind of triggered by by that sort of thing that sort of disconcerting um where things don't really match what you expect them to be. That's when our, our fears are really triggered a lot of times is when we are confronted by things that aren't the way they're supposed to be. And that's when kind of fear and, and, and fright come into play. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, this is the one thing I love asking every writer. So I'll say, it. what is the favorite thing you've ever written? Favorite thing I have written. I know it's asking like yeah, you tell one of your children. I know, I know, but I love all my word babies equally as I tell people. But if I had one to pick that I loved equally more than the others, um, <laughs> it would probably equally be. More. I I have a story. Um, it's called uh, Haunting Lessons. Um, it was. Uh, originally published uh, on the Arcanist um, last year, and then this past year, uh, Shortwave Publishing put it out as a chapbook uh, with illustrations by uh, Caitlin Marceau, who's another uh, another author uh, in a sort of horror and weird space, and uh, she really did a fantastic job uh, with the illustrations and the, the basic pitch, I guess, for the story is that it is about a father who, as his young son is dying, uh, has tried to teach the boy uh, how to become a ghost and what he needs to do to let him know that he is, to let the father know that he is haunting them. Um, And it's one of the stories I think came, came off the way that I wanted it to, which was, um, people, I've had people read it and tell me that they hate me. Um, and that they cried. Um, and it seems like it'd be a sentimental, it's a sentimental, it is a sentimental story. It also kind of, you know, I, as a parent, I draw a lot from, you know, fears that we have of, of, of having a child of, being partly responsible, you know, shared sharing his responsibility for, for a life. And, and, um, I know that there are a lot of authors who become parents and they're like, I can't write about kids getting hurt. Um, you know, I, I can't 
believe that that's too sensitive a subject matter for me. Like it just, I can't do it. Um, whereas I'm like, let's just, let's line them up and, uh, let's, uh, let's let the bad times roll. Um, and this story isn't, you know, it's not a gory one. It's definitely not gory. It's, 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 I can't really say if it's supernatural or not. I'd like people to read it, but there's some, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, uh, to it. And I like that kind of getting into a character's head who is maybe not making the best decisions, um, and, and maybe doing things out of selfishness or uh, jealousy. Uh, cause those are all emotions that like, I feel like as a parent, I sometimes feel there is that feeling of like, you know, for all the joy and happiness and excitement that comes with, with being a parent, there's also that feeling of doubt and fear and, you know, selfishness and jealousy and, and envy that, that could be all these, the swirl of emotions that come into play, um, day to day. And I, for me, writing from, from my truth or, or whatever you want to call it, like, I feel like I have to tap into all those emotions, um, and, and present this experience as honestly as possible. Then also being me, I have to add ghosts because I can't just, I can't just not, I can't just write about it. Like if I was going to do that, I'd like, yeah, like I got fun and supernatural I, in there. I, I need to have something fun and supernatural. Exactly. So, so that kind of comes into play. Um, and that's a story where, again, where I think that it, it hit the emotional notes that I wanted. Um, I think that it had that sort of, it's a short, it's like a, it's almost like flash fiction, maybe a little bit longer than, than a flash piece, um, word count wise. So I think what it does that I like is it gets in and it gets out and it kind of makes its point it, it, or says what it needs to say and it stops. Um, I tend to be an overwriter when I'm writing. I, everything I write tends to go long. Um, you know, as I'm moving into focusing on writing a little bit longer pieces and writing like, uh, like getting into some novel writing, um, I'm finding that to be like a bigger challenge. Like you can cut down a short story to a flash fiction piece or a sort of thing that is creeping into like novelette territory. You can slice that back down to um, a short story. But, you know, we're coming into, like, writing something longer. There's that challenge of, like, figuring out, um, you know, how to how to manage it and then how to to kind of uh, kind of wrangle all the text. Um, so something like this story where I think I came in with a wanting to aim for that shorter length. It came in shorter, really kind of just does what I, what I needed to do. And, and people have – that's the thing is, like – when I say favorite story, this is the one that people have really responded to. And I think as, as somebody who's writing to be read, um, that definitely plays a factor, uh, in that decision for me about what I'm considering uh, my favorite story that I've written. So this could be something that obviously you might not even have an answer to, but every writer I know who has kids, they know their kids are eventually going to read some of their work and everything. 
Is there anything of yours that you don't want your kids to ever read? I don't think so. Um, You're psyched to share it all. I'm psyched to share it all, but you know, they are, they don't want to even come in my office. My office is near their room. They share the two boys, they share a room and they, my youngest especially will like demand that I shut the door in the morning when he's getting out of bed because they don't even want to see, like I'm looking around, I've got some like, I got like some posters and stuff, like some artwork and like some kind of creepy, um, like original art that I, that I purchased, um, the kind of serves that sort of like getting the right vibes to the room, getting the sort of feel of like, I'm writing scary stuff. I'm writing things that are going to hopefully unnerve people to whatever degree. Um, you're going to have like, to take a picture of that. So I know actually what's going on. I will give you, yeah, I'll give you, cause it's a mix. It's, I, I did some graphic novel editing when I was a, an editor as well. So it's kind of a mix of, I call it like scary stuff. And then also like comic booky stuff as well. So it's just like, it's this space of, you know, books and, and, and these weird stuff. And then there's like an old, um, stuffed Humpty Dumpty doll that my grandmother said for me when I was a kid. And I haven't like, I haven't gotten rid of it. So it just kind of sits up on top of the shelf, just looking creepy. Um, that's always great. That's good for like zoom calls really. Um, just really angle the, the creepy uh, sewn up, sewn up uh, egg-shaped man uh, for people. That's good for the day job, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they, they don't want anything to do with it. They like their own kind of... because they like As I said, they like the Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, the games, and these sort of like rainbow friends, and all these things that when I say them as a grown adult, a uh, human being, I sound, I just sound like a dad to say them. I can hear it in my own voice. Like, Oh, rainbow friends. Um, but they love it. They, they love to get scared in their own way. And I, I welcome it and encourage it for them. Um, you know, I was terrified of Chucky when I was, you know, their age, like I could not, my, I had a little brother who had a, a, my buddy doll, which is like partially the inspiration for the, the good guy dolls and Chucky and he would hide it under my covers when I'd go up into the bunk bed when I was a kid, like pull back the covers and there's like a doll staring at you. Just like, there's no, I, I, I always say like this and I never had any doubt that I'd become like a horror author given the sort of hell my younger brother put me through. Um, so I was like the sensitive kid who was scared of everything. I would say and shout so, out to siblings for terrorizing us and giving us inspiration. Yeah. They they really bring it. And then, you know, he's he's a doctor now, so like he's doing well and I'm, you know, good for him. <laughs> it seems like you guys played off each other in a very good way. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Hopefully his bedside manner is better than it was when he's putting creepy dolls in my in my bed. I would say that maybe he's a little bit more desensitized to like scary shit. So that's true. Yeah. That's true. And he's, it's interesting. He's an, he's an eye doctor and he's, he's told me plenty of okay, that horror stories. Then. Yeah, it is. <laughs> exactly. So like, I think like, oh, I've written this great, you know, very descriptive disemboweling or whatever. And then he's like, let me tell you about this patient that came in and it immediately, I just can't from that. Cause you know, there's a difference between like, the imagination and then the reality is always going to be just that degree. It makes it grimace more unsettling. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, um, 
I somehow am the inspiration for my cousin becoming an ER nurse because I was the babysitter and I always was like, let's watch horror movies. And I mm-hmm. got really adjusted to blood. That wasn't my intent. It's not like I sat down and I was like, I'm going to make you be into medicine by having right. watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But no, now when we get together on holidays where I used to be the scarer and I obviously, I have a podcast called That Horror Cast. I love it and everything. Mm-hmm. If she tells me anything that's going on in her life, like I'm just like, no, no, that's terrifying. I don't even know. I don't know, need to know the real scary shit out there. Yeah, that's that's the same thing. It's interesting though that yeah, you passed it on. She went to Texas Chainsaw, and she's like, "I could, I could fix them. I could help with that." <laughs> but last Christmas, she was like, "Okay, I have to tell you about the latest patient that just came in the ER," and I'm just like, "No, no, I don't want to deal whatever fucked up." And she's like, "It had to do with a semi truck." I'm like, "No, oh jeez, no. nope." So, yeah, I, I'm definitely on your side there. Yeah. Now I almost want you to write, like, just ghostwrite a horror story for your brother. Just say, here, tell me what your day was like today. Yeah, I th- there's certainly enough material there. Very disturbing. Yeah, something. I, I, I stuff is always just like, you know. You can make a whole horror movie about that. You really can. There's this... um. There's this, I mean, obviously there's Onchi and Nandalu, but there's also this, um, a Spanish, I want to say it's a Spanish horror movie. I think it's called Anguish is the, the English translation. And it's like one of those movies within a movie kind of thing where there's, there's a killer on screen in the movie and then there's a killer in the audience of the movie. And there's like, I related violence in that one. And that one in particular, like that one sticks out to me. It's like having like, there's this eye, eye related violence in it. I think uh, Zelda Rubenstein is the, the mother of the character. I can't remember if it's the character in the movie or the, the character in the movie inside the movie. Yeah. Again, it gets into like these weird sort of meta layers after a while, but that's another one that has like that eye violence. And that always is just like, eesh, little, it, it's hard to handle sometimes. It's hard to watch. Yeah. It is because you know the feeling of like when someone gets close to your eye, you felt it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you think any of your fun horror stuff could actually be turned into a movie miniseries? Is Netflix going to call you? Oh gosh, I hope, right? Phone lines are, phone lines are now open now that all the strikes are over, right? Like just, uh, <laughs> come on guys, any, any day now. Um, I don't know, you know, I, with the collection, um, Cause we're I, going through a horror boom. It is a horror boom right now. Um, and I know that there's, you know, I've had that sort of like, I think everyone goes through this, so at least in the horror field that I've seen where you put out a collection or something and you get like the kind of like couple of emails from the assistants and interns at, at production companies that are like, we want to check out your collection and are you we i've got a, i've got a novel coming out next year with uh dark matter inc uh it's kind of a sci-fi uh horror um story it's called abducted and i, I kind of describe it as it's like x-files uh meets gone girl uh with a kind of a fargo setting and, and kind of character cast of characters 
And that's, you know, for all those projects, I'll have people, people reach out because I, you know, who knows what the next big horror thing is going to be. Right. Um, nothing's come of it. And, you know, you always go into these things thinking, yeah, here's, here's my thing that I've written. Um, I, you know, if you like it, great. Uh, let's talk, let's, let's do something with it. Um, I, I certainly, I feel like I have things that I've written that are, that have that kind of more traditional, um, you could do that kind of like three act structure or five acts or for, for a film or whatever. Um, and then there's other stuff that I've written that's more like, um, you know, what if, uh, it was a slasher, but the cabin was the person that was killing people. And there's like a, a cabin that keeps showing up in the wrong place in the woods. And that's one of my like short, like a flash fiction story I have, uh, in the collection. I don't think you can make that into a movie, maybe a short, I don't know. I don't, you know, if any filmmakers out there are like, I'd like to make that into a short again, um, patrickbarb.com reach out to me there. All my social media is on the site. Um, but yeah, other than that, like, uh, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be cool, but I, I just don't know. You're happy with just the written word and everything. I am. I went through a, a period of trying my hand at screenwriting, trying my hand at, uh, like comic writing and things like that. Um, before kind of feeling like, okay, let's, let's like, let's buckle down, I guess, and, and kind of really hone the craft as it were when it comes to prose writing. And I, I like the kind of more dramatic -y type of writing, you know, we're talking about like things that have to be interpreted by someone else. So like if it's a, a screenplay, obviously it's got to be interpreted by actors, directors, sound, light, whatever. Um, same thing with like a comic script. It's got to be interpreted by artists and colorists and, and all these other factors that go in between the written word and the audience. And so with, with prose, I guess like, all the, I mean, other than, than editors, which obviously are a uh, valuable uh, resource, there's less of a division between the writing and that last interpreter, which is the reader. Like, so that's the last line. So I think there was a little bit of fear that I felt to, to a degree um, about writing prose just because I didn't always feel like, okay, am I ready to like, and not have this sort of like collaborative protection. Um, but it's also like there's that's it's the, on the one hand it's, it's intimidating, but it's also like the easy quote unquote easiest to get into because there is less of a financial uh, barrier to entry uh, as well there. Yeah, that's pretty true. Definitely. <laughs> so, you have this amazing anthology that you're working on, obviously pre-approved for Haunting. Yes. Lit. And you said that there's an actual full novel you're doing. Yes, Abducted. And that's supposed to be out uh, currently late 2024 uh, from Dark Matter, Inc. Um, and so, yeah, that's... And then um, I working with the folks at, at dark matter there on kind of finalizing 
<coughs> finalizing that manuscript um, for for publication uh, next year. So got some time to t- time to go with that one, but it's uh, it's cool. It's hopefully going to be um, something people will will dig. It's um, like I said, it's got it's got aliens. It's got small town weirdness. It's got um, kind of a, a mystery and a sort of a menacing antagonists um, who aren't always what they seem. Uh, so hopefully, if people are vibing on all those kind of things, then they will they will enjoy the book when it is out uh, next year. Well, if it's if you like your other writing, then definitely. Now here's hoping, right? <laughs> That's what every writer hopes. Yes. Yeah, just put, just putting it out there, and going. This is this is the best I can do right now. Um, you know, something. Um, another uh, weird fiction author, uh, Gordon B. White, um, and one of the writing one of the things he was talking about writing, and when you know whether to submit a piece or to stop revising. And he was, he was saying like, do you know if a piece is as good as it can be for now? And so like that always like something that resonated with me is like, yeah, every, every piece of writing can be better. We're always going to be stuck by this notion of like, I could do more. I could, can refine this. But once you reach the point where it's as good as it can be for now, then you can, submit it you can send it you can bury it under a tree and dig it up five years from now like it's it's that point of being able to being able to to stop at a certain point and let the work exist as the best thing it can it can be that you are capable of making it Mm -hmm. so is there anything you want to push before we go? Obviously there are three big ones. Yeah. Well, I would just say, um, you know, my collection, uh, pre-approved for haunting, uh, 18 stories, um, horror, dark fiction, weird fiction, uh, came out uh, at the end of September from key light books. Uh, it's available now, um, all the usual places, uh, uh, the Amazon, the Barnes and Noble bookshop, and then, bookstore, local bookstores and, and everything. Um, and then obviously the, uh, anthology, uh, and one day we will die strange stories inspired by the music of neutral Nook hotel, uh, will be coming out, uh, likely next year, um, maybe earlier and the, uh, open submission period for that, I should know this as the editor, but I'm just focused on the editing right now. Uh, the open submission call is December 5th through January 16th. And there is an extended period for writers from marginalized communities that will run from January 16th to January 23rd. Um, so yeah, looking for people to, uh, write their songs inspired by the, uh, Nutramilk Hotel catalog, and you know I'm excited to to read everything and, and see what people uh, what people send us. Um, and then obviously my debut novel, uh, Abducted, will be coming out from Dark Matter Inc. Uh, sometime hopefully uh, late 2024 as well. Uh, so those are yeah those are the three 
three big things and hopefully keep people's uh, keep people's shelves full and their eyes busy reading. Oh, I definitely think just your entire catalog alone too, if we go backwards. So yeah. Yes. And I also have a couple of novellas. Um, Gargantuana's ghost, uh, which is uh, with gray matter press, which is a ghost of a giant ape befriending a young man on the subway in New York, who then tries to reunite this ghost with the young girl who was the ape's only friend when it was taken to New York and died. Um, and then Turn, which is the vampire pro wrestling novella I mentioned. And I also had a novelette, uh, Helicopter Parenting in the Age of Drone Warfare, which was from uh, Spooky House Press, which is kind of a sci-fi horror, black mirror-y, um, near future dangers of technology. Uh, it is about a father who uses uh, drones and contact lenses that are put in his kid's eyes at birth that allow him to see everything from the child's perspective. Uh, and he sort of comes to rely on this technology to monitor his child for him, uh, only to learn that perhaps as the child has moved into being a teenager, they are manipulating the information that his father is receiving and he's not really getting the full view of what is going on, uh, with his, with his, uh, child. And there may be something, uh, dark and sinister and uniquely American, uh, that his, his son is, is planning for his school. Well, I will say there is not a school shooting in this book. Okay. But it is not, but it is, it is certainly, uh, in the, in the mix. It's, the same um, it's in the same vein. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So those are my three, those are the three things I already have published and then I have a bunch of stories all over. Um, I have them all listed on my website and links where people can go to either read them for free or to check out the anthologies, uh, that they're in. Um, and try to keep busy and, and try to keep getting the work out there, really. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hopefully you get some sleep from all the busyness you've been having to deal with. So, Yeah, well, we're working on well, it. We, we got Thanksgiving coming up, too. So I'm kind of like prepping. This is one of a few days where I go out a day, like the day job. I go into the office like twice a week for a few hours, which is great. Um, it's like, oh, okay, I can go do this kind of regular nine to five kind of work, but also have time for the writing and and family stuff as well. So it's the best I could hope for, especially coming out of the the pandemic and being out of the workforce for a while and and doing editing work. And I work for kind of like a nonprofit um, and it's boring and I love it. I just love just like just doing this kind of very like, basic work and they're and everybody's really nice because it's minnesota and they're all just lovely um so yeah i'll be away i get i get to get away from the kids for a little bit and then head into a four-day weekend here um thursday friday saturday sunday so you know pray for me yeah sounds very chill i like the mundane job i want that 
Oh, it's the best. And we were, we're buying them Lego. So we, were, we get the kids like for the holidays, we get them like a, a little mini Lego set that they can play with and build and then smash into a million pieces and lose the, lose the bricks for it and never use again. It's uh it's a really a self-perpetuating system. We just keep the, keep the Lego company afloat over here. <laughs> well, that's cool. Well, I'll let you go. Thank okay. you very much for being on the show. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks for having me. It was, it was a blast. I, I really dug it. All right. That was Patrick Bard. Order a copy of pre-approved for haunting now and check out his Twitter at pbarb. Check out the show notes for all the proper spellings and links. As always, please check out our Twitter at podhealing and take a look at our website textualpodcast.com. Show us support by going on to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review or subscribe to us on Spotify. And of course, don't forget to check out our Patreon. This is Mallory Smart. We'll be back next Saturday with an off-the-record episode with Scott Mitchell May. Thanks for listening to the show.